Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. This week, my guest is Mistress Justine Cross, a lifestyle dominatrix and BDSM consultant based in Los Angeles. She also owns and operates Dungeon East, a minimal, modernist paradise, and Dungeon West, its atmospheric West LA counterpart. She is the boss of everyone except her cat. No one is the boss of cats. And now let's read our first letters. So we're we're sticking with like potential legal and and cop related issues, but luckily I think the next one is really like straightforward and mm-hmm. super simple. And I think it's your turn. To it read. is. I've been keeping track with little initials. Fantastic. All right. Stop calling the cops on the homeless. Dear Prudence, I own a rural vacation home that I happily allow my sister and my parents to use. Recently, a man living in his car has been parking at the cul-de-sac by the head of the mile-long driveway that leads to the vacation home. He has never trespassed, minds his own business, and just seems to be living his life. The driveway can only be accessed by opening an electric gate so he couldn't drive to the house if he wanted to. This man scares my sister and my parents. Despite me asking them not to, they've called the non-emergency police line to have cops come chase him away. My sister says she's scared to let her kids play outside when he's parked in the cul-de-sac and also told my kids to be scared of him. My parents think I'm being naive by allowing him to park in the cul-de-sac. It's not my property. I think it's a waste of taxpayers' money to get cops to hassle him. The easiest solution would be to tell my family they're no longer allowed to use the cabin. But that start a whole new argument, and maybe I'm missing some reason to be frightened of this random homeless man. What is your take? Yeah. Don't call the cops. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, don't call the cops on homeless people. It's like, you, you think life isn't hard enough for them already? This guy just in his car, apparently minding his own business. It's like a safe space for him. Don't call the cops. Yeah, like, I, I, I would. I, I think if your sister and your parents had ever referred to a particular incident where he had done or said something threatening, mm-hmm. that would be one thing. Exactly. But you yourself know this guy to be really quiet and to keep to himself. I, I, I think maybe just to do your due diligence, ask them like. Is there a moment where he has done or said something that made you believe that you were in danger? And then again, like use your judgment as you listen to them. If yes. their story sounds implausible and it sets off alarm bells, feel free to decide that that is not sufficient cause to call the cops. I, I think the odds are like 98 percent that the way he acts when you're around is the way that he acts when they're around and that they are just like, I don't want to look at a homeless person. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I mean, I think that I I think you should do your due diligence and just ask the question, has anything happened? But I mean, I think it's obvious that like if something did, you would have heard about it. Right. You would have heard about it. The only thing that I I just wanted to, you know, it, it doesn't sound like the letter writer has children. So I don't know if this person is acting differently when there are children there. And that was my like two percent. That was like, yeah, that was like a tiny, tiny bit. But I think like it's mostly on the side of this sounds like, you know, um, like a, a 
possibly a privileged family to have vacation homes and people who can have access to them and use them. There's an electric gate. That sounds very fancy. Yeah. It's a mile from the road. It's on a cul-de-sac. Like, it's a cul-de-sac. It's not a dead end. And it also sounds That's like how you know it's she fancy. says she's scared to let her kids play outside, which sounds to me like just outside the house, a mile <laughs> yes. away from where with, he's parked. With the electric gate. So, again, yeah. like, if, if, if you say, has anything ever happened? And her answer isn't like, yes, he, like, took one of the kids in his car and I couldn't find the kid for half an hour. Sorry, that's not funny, but I'm just laughing because that obviously didn't happen. But yeah, if yeah, she's just like, like, no, who knows what he's like? Yeah. That is idle speculation and total bullshit. Um, so again, unless there's a really specific incident where he like threw stuff at the kids or screamed at them or tried to like get them to leave with him, um, the fact that she's afraid to let her kids play a mile and an electric gate away from a guy who lives in his car is just super shitty. And you are well within your rights to say like, since you're this uncomfortable and I can't trust you not to call the cops on a guy who I know is just like making the best of a bad situation. I'm afraid I can't let you stay at my vacation home anymore. Please vacation elsewhere. And then they'll be like, oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I'm real mad at you. I want to yell a lot. You get to say no and hang up the <laughs> yeah, phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go hang out on my cul-de-sac. Um, yeah, exactly. It's like if, if they continue to do something, as you said, just like putting down the boundary of like, I've asked you to not do this. There doesn't seem to be any real danger. And this is not acceptable to me. That's that's completely fair. It's a vacation home. You're not they're not going to be homeless. They're just going to be vacation. But they're going to be vacation homeless. Like they can't be in your vacation house. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And that whole worry about like that would start a whole new argument. And like, I get that you're it sounds like your sister and parents are potentially difficult people mm -hmm. who when they want to have an argument usually get their way and i would just really invite you on this one to say like i'm not going to argue with you about this and then hang up yeah. and then they'll be like i can't believe you hung up on me and you'll be like yeah i did i'm gonna keep doing that because this is not up for debate and that might feel brand new and kind of shocking mm -hmm. but you actually can decide not to argue about stupid bullshit with unreasonable people yeah i totally agree and and also i think that you know in the larger picture it's like as homelessness increases this is going to be increasingly um an issue that we face like at our rural vacation homes or not you know and and i think that we need to be on the side of not calling the cops on people who are homeless who are living in their car and to be on the side of history where you're not making life even more difficult when it is already so difficult for people in these situations. For, if anything, it is more unsafe for him <clears throat> being homeless um, and living in a car than it is for your children playing behind an electric gate a mile from the road. Yeah. So yeah. be aware of that. Oh. That's just, yeah, I'd be very surprised if there was actually an incident where he had threatened or scared the kids. No, you would have heard about it. That would have been the first, exactly. you would have heard about they it. They would have you, called you. You, you. you would have heard about it. Like, and, and again, because they're calling the non-emergency line, Again, there's nothing that's happening where they they know that they can't call 911 and say there you know there's a man and throwing he's, rocks at my kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they know yeah. they know this is just like a situation where they don't want to see a homeless person in their cul-de-sac and like they want to you know move along. And it's yeah. like that. Uh, sorry, that's can't can't yeah. move along. Lots of homeless people. It's not a great time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think your family is just shitty, and I'm sorry. So, <laughs> speaking of being shitty, this next one is oh just my. like, I don't love either of the choices the people in this um, uh, yeah. question have made both, towards both, one another. Both people need a spanking. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> really need it. I think just like a timeout. Yeah, timeout. Like, they don't even deserve a spanking. They, it's too much right, attention. They don't, they don't deserve a spanking. Yeah. You know, sometimes punishment is its own reward. Exactly. Okay, so the subject is coworkers' affairs are causing me problems. Dear Prudence, 
I work for a small company on a closing shift. Most days, it is just my coworker, Mia, and me. Mia is married, but running around with a bunch of other guys. It is disgusting to hear her be all lovey-dovey on the phone with her husband and then turn around and jump some new rando. Mia will often disappear on shift if one of these guys shows up. She leaves me to finish up the work and then shows up again in wrinkled clothes. I was pretty sure she was going out to have sex in the parking lot until I went into the storeroom and found a condom and some underwear. I was furious and confronted Mia. Mia told me to mind my own business, but I called her nasty, trashy, and said that if she wanted to act like a prostitute, she could do it away from me. Mia then went to her good buddy, our supervisor, and complained. I was looking at a write-up, so I had security pull the video. There was no camera in the storeroom, but Mia was seen entering and exiting with random guys. There was no physical proof she was having sex with them, but no one but staff is allowed back there. Mia got reprimanded, and our supervisor tried to make us all friends again. Mia now hates me and is making my life difficult. She stalks me for any minor mistake and is meeting her randos outside now where there are no cameras. I'm sick of this. If I go above my supervisor's head, I might as well quit now. She has worked here 15 years and is friends with everyone. I need this job. A friend told me to wait until Mia is outside having sex and then call the cops on her or make an anonymous report to her husband. Help. I just want to do my job. Yeah, well, um, first of all, you owe me an apology for calling her nasty, trashy, and a prostitute. And just as a blanket statement, don't call someone a prostitute or any kind of sex worker as an insult or slur. So please don't do that. Not cool. Yeah. I also, just as while we're staying with the real simple stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. don't call the cops when you think oh, your coworker yeah. is having sex. <laughs> yeah. For <no>. starters, <laughs> because like by the time they get there, she'll be done. <laughs> and also, it's not illegal to have sex. Like, the cops are not going to be like, oh, man, a lady's having sex with a guy in a storeroom? This is number one on our priority No, no the, I'm sorry. This is, it, it, she said, or I'm sorry, the letter writer said outside having sex. So presumably in some sort of public sex situation. Which, like, again, whatever. you don't but, have but confirmation. Don't yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> just no, don't. don't call the cops just because your coworker is annoying you. Even if your coworker is annoying you a lot. Like, calling the cops yeah. can ruin or end someone's life. So I think it's really yes. good to make sure that, like, the cops are your only option at that point, and uh, you have other options here. Make an anonymous report to her husband. I don't see how that helps you do your job any better. I don't see how that makes your life any easier. I can see how it would satisfy the part of you that wants to ruin Mia's life, because mm-hmm. it sounds like right now that version of you is kind of running the show. Mm-hmm. But if 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 your goal here really is to just have a job that you can do, I think you need to start looking for another job. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair because it's like in this situation where I'm I'm sort of unclear why the supervisor didn't write up both of them because granted Mia was wrong, but also the coworker is insulting her and calling, you know, insulting her in this way that's like calling her like a name, um, you know, and then trying to make the goal is not to make everyone's friends. It's the goal is to like make everyone do their jobs. And it's like you have passed judgment on Mia in terms of what you think might be extramarital affairs or certainly having like inappropriate things happen at the workplace and that should be the focus and there should have been a you well, I don't know why instead of passing judgment or sitting there stewing like silently for it sounds like quite a while why you know you didn't talk to your supervisor earlier right like it sounds uh, like you let this go on for a really long time mm-hmm. until you were furious and then you called her as many awful names as you could think of which is like kind of a guaranteed form of escalation so while I think your initial complaint makes sense like your only other coworker leaves you alone to finish up work while she disappears and doesn't explain why that's 
you could have just gone to your supervisor about that and said, like, calmly, Mia's been leaving a lot in the middle of shift and I'm not always able to cover for her. Can you help me? Yeah, I think that's true. And it's like I it, it's like I don't think this person just wants to do their job. I think they just want to pass judgment on Mia and get her in trouble in these ways that like is not helping anyone do a better job. Um, yeah, just keeping it professional in terms of like talking to the supervisor. And it's like saying going over someone's head. It's like these are legitimate things, like not like, oh, there's extramarital affairs and I don't like that she's being lovey-dovey on the phone. Like that's like you're what you bitch to your girlfriends about, like in margaritas. It's like sure. you talk to your supervisor and saying something like, you know, I'd really appreciate if she didn't take personal phone calls like at work. I find it distracting. That's like the fair professional adult way to handle yes. things. That's how you handle things at a job. Like yes. adult time. Let's let's have adult time. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would say for you, number one, start looking for another job. It, it doesn't sound like a good environment. Where anyway. there's yeah. more than one coworker. Mm-hmm. Possibly where there's an HR department and where there's just really clear rules. And and you're, it's not just like if one other person doesn't show up, I'm not able to, like, close the warehouse for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, limit your interactions with Mia to only what's absolutely necessary to get your job done. Mm-hmm. Don't call her names. Don't roll your eyes when you see her. Be polite at the start of your shift, but then only speak to her about work-related activities. Do you think she should apologize to her, too? Um. I, I, ideally, I think yeah. that would be great. Like yeah. if, if the letter writer could just try to like extend an olive branch and say mm. like, I'm really sorry for insulting you. I won't do that again. Um, I want to be able to just stay professional and get our work done. I hope that you want the same. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying because it's I mean, it, it's always like very ideal to say like, just get another job. But it's like, I just don't know how if it's a closing shift that that's like the shift that they can have. Yeah. Like I need this. You know, when someone says I need this job to me, it sounds like they need this and might not be very easy to find another job. Although I think there's other things sort of like, I don't know if you can pull this out of the fire in terms of the way that the company is set up where no one has noticed or said anything for like months that she's meeting up people, bringing them into the the workplace that are not supposed to be there and she's friends, whatever it is. But I understand that. But just for now, while potentially looking for another thing to try to patch things up with her in in some way, at least because that's the this is where you need to to like, you know, rise up and, and do the right thing at this point moving forward, even if you still don't like her you don't want to work there I, I just think that's valuable for like your sort of personal growth and understanding like your contribution to creating this situation where first she just was kind of a slacker now she's a, like she's refocused her energy and time into trying to get you fired kind of and right. like you know causing you ruckus you know right right so yeah I, I would give that a go if she's totally uninterested and she continues to go after you um, you know, then I think you go back to the supervisor mm-hmm. first and again, yeah. present it as calmly as you can, mm-hmm. but just like let them know, like, here's what's been going on on a regular basis. I've attempted to mend the fence by apologizing for my past behavior. That's not working. You know, go to the supervisor first. If the supervisor does nothing, then you you do have to go over. And it's not like going over the supervisor's head. Like if your supervisor doesn't help you with a real problem that makes it difficult for you to do your work, you have to keep going. Yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, in the future, um, there are better ways to handle problems with a coworker than the way that you approach this one. And I hope as you look at the letter you wrote, you can see where you created a situation that was designed to escalate things yes. as quickly and intensely as possible. And your strategy or your plan right now is like, maybe I should just call the fucking cops on her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or get in touch <laughs> or with her, her husband. husband. It's just like, 
which again, you don't even know what kind of relationship they have. Like this might be totally a part of their relationship where she's like hooking up with, you know, random guys and then he she comes home and tells him about it and then they have even hotter sex. Like, yeah, like and it's just like, like he doesn't work just, at your job. Like yeah, there's literally no uh, way that either of those two actions helps you achieve your goal of just getting your work done. Correct. So don't waste your energy trying to ruin this woman's life when, frankly, I think she's made it clear that she's more committed to ruining yours. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to win that game. Yeah, you're not going to win. She's got 15 years. She's friends with everyone. Yeah. They like her. Yeah. No so, one likes you. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm not wild about either of them. They both sound like no, no, bad coworkers. I, they do, yeah. I was just quoting yeah, Golden yeah. Girls. Oh, um, I'm sorry. It I can't believe I missed that. <laughs> like, no, and Rose is telling Dorothy, like, Dorothy, you've done some good work, but nobody likes you. <laughs> You know, they all the flu. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Dorothy. Do you watch Golden Girls? I do. I actually in my in my next book, I have a whole chapter about uh, Golden oh, Girls. Oh my god, I'm dying. And how I, I once them. accidentally watched the series finale without really. I thought I was still in season two, and I hadn't seen the series oh. finale before. And that I, must have been confusing. It was more than confusing. It was like personally devastating, especially because this was right around the stage of my transition where I was like, I don't know how to not be a woman. <laughs> and like the last episode, spoilers for the Golden Girls, obviously, oh, well, but the last episode, they, they kind of go back to the premise of the pilot, which was even if we meet men, we're all going to stay together. Mm-hmm. And they break that up. Yeah. And I wasn't ready for Dorothy to run off with Leslie yeah. Nielsen. And I... You know what? I'm never ready. I run through it like several times. Like I just keep watching the entire series. I'm never ready for the series finale. I just watch it again over Thanksgiving. I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm still not ready. She just leaves. I just, but she keeps coming back though. And then I you're know. like, okay, one more time. And you know it's not going to happen the third time. And then anyway, did you know that Don Cheadle was on a um, Golden Palace? Uh, not only do I know that, but my favorite MySpace name was whatever Don Cheadle. You're totally on that Golden Palace. So yes. That's the name of a Tumblr website? No, no, no. The, on MySpace. On oh, MySpace, MySpace. That was my when you could make fun names and it was like the wild, wild west of social media. Sure, that sure. that was my um that was my favorite name. That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 